Imagine a small hobbit armed with nothing but his wits and a ring of power, engaging in a high-stakes conversation with a fearsome dragon. In this episode, we explore the mesmerizing encounter between Bilbo Baggins and Smog in J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. Get ready to unravel the riddle titles, decipher the subtle clues, and witness the remarkable transformation of our beloved Hobbit. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's hear from one of our listeners in the Shire Letter, who reached out to us on Instagram. Seb writes, Hey, I am completely obsessed with the world that Tolkien created and even more by the easy and exciting way you explain it. Once I started listening to your podcasts, I could not stop thinking about all the lore and adventures of Tolkien's world, and I am seriously considering reading The Silmarillion for the first time, following your advice about what to focus on during the first read. So thank you so much for making this complex and intriguing world accessible to more people. Seb, thank you for your kind words. It warms my heart to hear that you're enjoying our podcast and finding it helpful in your exploration of Middle-earth. Remember, the journey through Tolkien's works is a magnificent one, and I'm thrilled to be part of it with you. Seb also had a question. In episode 73, Tolkien's timeline, you mentioned that Sauron taught the elves how to perfect the art of forging for 300 years. I was wondering how Sauron explained his long life, given he is disguised as a human. Didn't the elves find that somewhat odd? This is a great question. The timeline comes from the tale of years that's in Appendix B in Return of the King. For about 300 years, Sauron instructed the elves in the craft of ring-making, while he took on the beautiful form of Anatar, the Lord of Gifts. Now, one important thing to remember, not all elves were interested in what Anatar Sauron had to say. Elrond was highly skeptical of him and turned him away from some elven realms. But it was Celebrimbor, the grandson of Feanor, who really gravitated to what Anatar had to teach. So why weren't the elves suspicious of this person who did not age and grow old? The answer lies in the Unfinished Tales, which says, quote, Sauron posed as an emissary of the Valar, sent by them to Middle-earth, thus anticipating the Istari, or ordered by them to remain there to give aid to the elves. Let's dig into that a little bit. The elves would have been familiar with the Maiar, the class of spirits that served the Valar, the powers that govern Middle-earth. The Maiar, of course, were immortal and would not have aged. And Anatar's coming was a sort of precursor to the Valar sending the wizards in the Third Age. But in any case, there's probably any number of Maiar wandering Middle-earth. So to have one show up and claim to be a messenger from the Valar would not be completely unheard of. But like I said earlier, not all elves accepted him. And it was Celebrimbor's desire to be as famous a craftsman as his grandfather Feanor that likely led him to believe Anatar. Thanks for writing in, Seb, and I look forward to more Shire letters from you, fellow wanderers. Now it's time for our map check. Let's take a moment to visualize the third age of Middle-earth, where our beloved hobbit Bilbo Baggins embarks on an incredible adventure with the dwarves. They have just found the secret door leading to the ancient dwarven kingdom of Erebor, and now they stand outside, staring into the darkness. In today's chapter, Bilbo will venture into the mountain, steal a golden cup, engage in a riddle contest with Smog the dragon, 
and find themselves trapped inside the dragon lair. If there's anything specific you'd like to explore from this chapter, feel free to send us a Shire letter. By this point in the story, we've explored a multitude of creatures and cultures, including the dwarves. The narrator even draws attention to Thorin's verbose style on important occasions, highlighting our familiarity with the dwarves. However, does our familiarity mean there's nothing new to learn? In Chapter 12, Inside Information, we have the opportunity to witness the dwarves in their own kingdom and discover a few remarkable aspects. One such aspect is the striking contrast between the tunnel Bilbo enters and the other tunnels that the company has traversed. This particular tunnel stands out as the best. Quote, this was no goblin entrance or rough wood elves cave. It was a passage made by dwarves at the height of their wealth and skill, straight as a ruler, smooth floored, and smooth sided. Nevertheless, we also witness the weakness of the dwarves. They prove to be lacking in strategic planning, as emphasized in two instances within this chapter. The first acknowledges, quote, it does not do to leave a dragon out of your calculations, while the second highlights how, quote, they could think of no way of getting rid of smog, which had always been a weak point in their plans, as Bilbo felt inclined to point out. Moreover, the narrator provides a scathing commentary on the dwarves. When Bilbo asks for volunteers to accompany him into the dark tunnel, no one steps forward. Balin offers to go a little way in, but ultimately, Bilbo is on his own. This leads to a pointed remark, quote, There it is. Dwarves are not heroes, but calculating folk with a great idea of the value of money. Let's delve deeper into this observation. It becomes evident that the dwarves themselves are not willing to venture forth and claim their treasure. Instead, they send Bilbo to undertake the task and promise him a handsome reward for his services. Even when the dwarves attempted to help Bilbo when he was in trouble with the trolls, it was not out of loyalty or friendship, but rather to secure their burglar's contribution to their quest. To emphasize this point further, we soon witness a clear example of dwarves lacking heroic qualities. After Bilbo's burglary, when smog emerges, some dwarves near the door sneak inside the mountain momentarily forgetting their companions down below at the camp. The chilling words are spoken, quote, They will be slain, and all our ponies too, and all our stores lost. We can do nothing. They are willing to abandon their fellow dwarves to their deaths, driven by the fear of facing Smog's wrath. What matters most to the dwarves? Treasure. Thorin and Balin vividly describe the long-lost treasures of Erebor, from golden inlaid spears to emerald necklaces and, of course, the coveted Arkenstone. It becomes clear that dwarves are not heroes. They may forsake their kin at times, yet their deepest desire remains focused on accumulating wealth and riches. And now we come to the momentous encounter with Smog. Bilbo, much like us as readers, is experiencing the famous dragon for the first time. So what do we learn about this formidable creature? Smog is initially revealed by the ominous glow of his red light followed by the intense heat and vapor that surround him. Descriptions liken him to a purring cat and, quote, an old volcano that has made up its mind to start eruptions once again. He revels in comparing himself to both feeble weapons and forces of nature. Shields, swords, spears, thunderbolts, hurricanes, and the lethal power of his breath. However, the most crucial aspect for Bilbo is that Smog has no knowledge of what a hobbit is or what they smell like. Quote, but he did not tell Bilbo that there was one smell he could not make out at all. Hobbit smell. 
It was quite outside his experience and puzzled him mightily. Bilbo, on the other hand, possesses some instinct when dealing with dragons. He understands that he must engage with Smog indirectly, employing enigmatic speech and flattering words. Let's explore the sparkling titles Bilbo bestows upon Smog. The Tremendous, Chiefest and Greatest of Calamities, The Mighty, The Unassailably Wealthy, Lord Smog the Impenetrable, Your Magnificence. Through these clever riddles and flattery, Bilbo manages to trick Smog into unwittingly revealing his one weakness. Quote, there is a large patch in the hollow of his left breast as bare as a snail out of its shell. Interestingly, this isn't the first mention of a loose dragon's scale. Back in chapter 1, Thorn explained that dragons, quote, cannot even mend a little loose scale of their armor. There's a little bit of foreshadowing for you. Before we move on from the dragon, there's a curious line worth examining. During Bilbo's riddle conversation with Smog, he is wearing the one ring, rendering him invisible to the dragon. However, when the dragon's eye happens to flash across him, something odd happens. Quote, Bilbo trembled, and an unaccountable desire seized hold of him to rush out and reveal himself and tell all the truth to Smog. I find this intriguing because Bilbo is, in fact, wearing the One Ring, which belongs to Sauron. In The Lord of the Rings, Sauron's emblem is the all-seeing eye, capable of revealing all secrets except its own. A watchful eye that spies on the enemy, but never reflects inward on its own actions. For instance, in The Fellowship of the Ring, Frodo ponders whether the ring itself may have played a trick on him. Quote, For a moment, he wondered if the ring itself had not played him a trick. Perhaps it had tried to reveal itself in response to some wish or command that was felt in the room. Could it be that these malevolent talismans possess a certain power? A power that attempts to establish a connection with other evil entities? Now that's a chilling thought. What if Smog managed to claim Sauron's ring for himself? Imagine the sheer force of will and devastation when a dragon's might combines with Sauron's power from the ring. It's a truly terrifying prospect. But we still have one more pivotal character from this chapter to delve into, Mr. Bilbo Baggins. We'll explore his role in this chapter right after this short break. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. You can be the hero of your own Marvel Comics adventure. Marvel Strike Force is an extraordinary mobile game, a haven for comic book enthusiasts and gamers alike. Lead your own fellowship of heroes and villains to battle against the forces of darkness that threaten the very fabric of the universe. From the menacing Doctor Doom to the formidable Apocalypse, every battle is a chance to prove your mettle. And right now, Marvel Strike Force is commemorating its six-year anniversary. That means free rewards await those who heed the call and sign up today. With weekly events and bonuses, this anniversary celebration promises a treasure trove of special rewards. Rally your allies, sharpen your blades, and dive into the action of Marvel Strike Force today. Use code MAXPOOL to unlock free new treasures. That's code MAXPOOL, all one word, on the mobile game Marvel Strike Force. Now, back to Wandering. In a previous episode, I mentioned that this chapter is my absolute favorite in The Hobbit. 
The conversation between the Hobbit and the dragon is simply captivating, and I am particularly charmed by Bilbo's riddle titles. These titles hold a special significance as an inside joke between you, the reader, and the narrator. While Smog may not comprehend their meaning, the narrator remarks, quote, Though I expect you do, since you know all about Bilbo's adventures. Before we delve into Bilbo's riddles, let's take a moment to recall how Bilbo has introduced himself to dangerous and evil creatures in the past. With the trolls, Bilbo introduced himself as, quote, Bilbo Baggins, a Burr-a-Hobbit, which the trolls misinterpret as a Burr-a-Hobbit. He also utilized riddles and puns such as, quote, yes, lots, no, none at all, and, quote, I am a good cook myself and cook better than I cook. Yet, in the end, Bilbo's wit was insufficient to save him from the trolls, and the intervention of the dwarves and Gandalf became necessary. Then there was the riddle game with Gollum, where Bilbo presented himself as, quote, I am Mr. Bilbo Baggins, and engaged Gollum in a series of riddles, as we explored in detail in episodes 91 and 92. Now we know later on from the Fellowship of the Ring that Bilbo providing Gollum with his full name was a fatal mistake for Frodo at least. However, after Bilbo acquires the ring and single-handedly dispatches the spider in the dark forest, he undergoes a transformation. He no longer provides introductions to the spiders, but instead incites their anger with verses of song. Now, in the lair of the dragon, Bilbo's skills reach their apex. He cleverly avoids revealing his name outright, a wise decision as the narrator informs us, he neither refuses to answer the dragon nor divulges too much, but instead speaks to him in a manner that entices Smog. Quote, no dragon can resist the fascination of riddling talk and of wasting time trying to understand it. Now, let's examine each of Bilbo's riddle titles. Firstly, he states, quote, I am come from under the hill, and under the hills and over the hills my paths led, and through the air I am he that walks unseen. We know that Bilbo's hobbit hole was located under the hill in the Shire, and he did traverse under, over, and through hills, even receiving a ride from the eagles through the air. During one of these journeys, Bilbo discovered the magical ring that grants him invisibility. Next, he claims to be the clue finder, alluding to his success in deciphering the riddle of the secret door. He also proclaims himself the web cutter, referencing his role in freeing the dwarves from the webs of the spiders in the forest of Mirkwood. Additionally, he nods to the new name of his sword as he calls himself, quote, the Stinging Fly. Bilbo then declares himself the lucky number, where he begins to inadvertently provide clues to Smog about his identity and whereabouts. Smog speculates that the company consists of 14 individuals, as the number 14 holds special significance in Middle-earth. He further references how he saved the dwarves in barrels on the river and mentions the name of his family home. Bag end. At these titles, Bilbo becomes increasingly pleased with himself. He asserts that he is the friend of bears, referring to Beorn, the guest of eagles, alluding to his overnight stay in the Iris, the ring winner, recalling his riddle game with Gollum, the luck wearer, another reference to the ring, and the barrel rider. However, it is the title of barrel rider that becomes his fatal mistake. In his delight, Bilbo lets himself go too far. Smog deduces from that title alone that Bilbo has some connection with the men of Lake Town. For better or for worse, the dragon decides to pay them a visit as retribution for aiding the thief. 
What I adore about these riddle titles is how Tolkien succinctly summarizes the entire adventure for us. From the unexpected party to riddles in the dark, from the depths of the mountains to the eyries of the eagles in the peaks, he highlights Bilbo's achievements through concise and clever commentary. And to think that this conversation is transpiring while the small hobbit, who was merely a grocer bobbing on his mat months ago, is now verbally and physically dancing around a dragon's lair. At any moment, Smog's eyes could reveal Bilbo, or his scent could give him away. No dwarf, elf, man, or orc could have accomplished such a rare feat. We have explored stories in the Silmarillion where elves, men, and dwarves faced dragons and suffered bitter losses, even when they managed to slay the dragon. It is true that Bilbo did not emerge unscathed, as the dragon's words about the dwarves' trickery and Smog's flames left him emotionally and physically singed. However, I firmly believe that only Bilbo, a simple hobbit, could have faced Smog in this way and survived the encounter. This realization brings us full circle to the essence of the story. Quote, this is a story of how a Baggins had an adventure and found himself doing and saying things altogether unexpected. The conversation with Smog epitomizes that assertion. Bilbo's actions and words in this chapter are truly unexpected, like stealing from a dragon to engaging in riddle talk. I find it utterly fascinating. As Bilbo dances with words in Smog's lair, we witness the pinnacle of his unexpected journey. The riddle titles he bestows upon himself unveil a condensed recollection of his adventures, showcasing his ingenuity and accomplishments. But as the conversation unfolds, we begin to question the potential consequences of Bilbo's words, and the implications they may have on his mission, and the fate of those around him. Thank you for embarking on this captivating journey through Middle-earth with me today. Join us again next time as we delve deeper into the realms of Tolkien's creation, and explore the fascinating adaptation of Bilbo's encounter with Smog in Peter Jackson's film. Until then, keep wandering and may your path be filled with wondrous tales. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.